From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, she makes it easy and helps keep more money in your wallet. This is For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Haq. Welcome to a brand new episode of For What It's Worth. I am your host, Rabina Ahmed Haq. I will be with you all this hour to talk about all the big personal finance stories of the week, all the workplace stories of the week that we need to be thinking about, especially going in to 2024. There is a lot that we are uncertain about, interest rates, salaries, job security, so many of these things that we're concerned about going into the new year. We'll be breaking those all down uh, to really give you a good snapshot of what you can expect, at least from the beginning of 2024. I think it's always hard to predict what's coming up at the end of the year, but definitely the first quarters, the first three months, we can make a, a good guesstimate of what we can expect from for those first three months. And then that sort of lays out uh, the rest of the year. Uh, we are in the thick of holiday shopping and a lot of Canadians are out there spending money on things that they want to buy for their family and their loved ones. And retail sales are coming in a little bit slow, not surprising because uh, we are feeling the pinch of higher interest rates and uh, inflation and the higher cost of living. And so that means a lot of us are scaling back. I know this year I scaled back big time. Uh, there was one year where I sort of went overboard. And since then, I've realized that's probably not the best thing to do, especially since I am a personal finance journalist and I'm always, you know, talking about how we can save more and be a little bit more mindful of the money we spend. And so I felt a little bit guilty go doing that that one year. So I've, I've really scaled back as well, too, not in a way that's going to take away any holiday spirit, but definitely in a way that's going to make me feel a little bit more financially uh, stable going into 2024. Now, a lot of us are shopping online and I, you know, I am an avid online shopper like many of us in Canada. I mean, especially during the pandemic, many, uh, most of us ramped up our online shopping, but I got to say, I'm a little bit annoyed with the way online shopping is going for the last few months. Um, outside of the big guys, and we know who they are, we don't have to talk about them, that we order from that are easily to easy, easily to return to. A lot of companies are sort of following these old school uh, methods when it comes to online shopping. So I ordered some uh, a pair of pants and a jumpsuit from a store that I got, you know, I ordered it online. I kept getting pushed the, 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 the um, ad on Facebook. And I ordered it and it doesn't fit. I mean, it's way too long. I'm only 5'2". And this is like an ongoing issue for, for those of us who are petite, that even when we order petite, it's not really petite. So I had to return it. And I was really annoyed. That's going to cost me $25. So $15 I have to pay for the actual return and a $10 fee they take to return it. And I don't want to keep it because collectively those two things are worth $300. So Keeping it is not an option because it's too expensive. Sending it back is going to cost me $25. So I really encourage anybody that's shopping online, because I didn't do this, to look at the return policy before you order and be really confident that what you are ordering is going to work for you and what you need it for. Uh, this also happened with a pair of slippers that I ordered that uh, I bought them. Uh, and I, I hope my sister-in-laws aren't listening because I bought the same ones for them too. Because they're, you know, it's a, it's a very well-known Canadian brand. I thought it would be really nice for Christmas for them. And they're really warm. Now, they don't work for me. I've been walking around the house for the last couple of weeks and they sort of slip off my feet, not because they're too big, but because the ankle part is a little bit short. 
Now, that may not be the case for your feet or for my 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 sister-in-law's feet once I give it to them, but I wanted to return them and their final sale. I didn't realize that buying them on this one-day sale made them final sale. So these are just some things to think about, right? When you're buying stuff online, the company that you're buying for, what is their return policy? Will it cost you to send stuff back? And uh, if you can get it in store, because now that stores are completely open, I encourage you to go and try it on first. Sometimes I like to order online because they may not have the size or the color that I need. I'm also a little bit weird about stuff that's been tried on a hundred times at one store. So I, I feel like if I order online, I get the brand new version. So sometimes I'll do that. I'll try it on in store and then order it online. But I'm confident that that fits me. So I think that 2024, I'm going to scale back on my online shopping a little bit. I've been a little bit disappointed. Um, there are also scams online that all of us need to avoid. There are two major ones that I read about this week that are just devastating, especially for families at this time of year that are trying to make ends meet, trying to do everything for the holidays, already struggling with the higher cost of living. Uh, one couple uh, put something on Facebook. You know, we've all, all done this, Facebook Marketplace. I've used it tons of times, uh, trying to sell a stroller. And they said that they got a, uh, an email or rather a DM that said, I'd like to buy it. So they said, okay, fine. Um, many of us have been through this. So he, they said, could you send a deposit? He said, can I send a deposit to hold it? And they said, sure. I mean, that's very common, especially if you buy something that's a little bit more expensive, which a stroller I think would be, you know, spend ha send half the money to deposit it. So they sent this, he sent this, uh, this message to them. It had a QR code embedded and they scanned the QR code and it went to what looked like their bank and they put their information in. And from that, the person on the other end of that was able to transfer out a total of $10,000 and what they say mere moments from their bank account. So got access to their bank account, was able to move the money out. And so this is a cautionary tale for anybody that is purchasing or selling something online, Facebook Marketplace being one of the most robust places. If you can, uh, meet somebody in a public place and exchange cash. So it can be, uh, you're already opening yourself up when they're coming into onto your porch or into your home to buy something. But if it's a small item, maybe meet them at the local coffee shop and, and exchange it there for cash. Because that way there is no uh, digital connection there, except for, of course, the fact that you met on Facebook and um, they're, they're not able to get into your bank. Uh, another scam was someone thought they were buying a, a Christmas tree from this authentic site that is selling a tree that is supposed to be um, easier for seniors when it comes to fluffing out all the branches. And so she has arthritis. So she thought, oh, this is a good one for me. It's a little expensive, $9.50 American. And she said she paid $1,500 US. Totally fake company, never got the tree, money is gone. Only option was to play from pay from debit, so no recourse there. She's now chasing uh, the bank to see if she can get her money back. So be very careful when you are shopping online uh, where you're putting your banking information. And if you can, just use good old cash, especially with uh, Facebook Marketplace and other online uh, ways to buy stuff. I buy stuff all the time. I know it's you know much more uh, economical to do things that way. 
uh, just be a little bit careful as to who you are sending your personal, especially banking information to. We have a fantastic show coming up today. We're going to break down this week's Bank of Canada announcement that they are holding rates at 5%, which is their last announcement of the year. Uh, how is this affecting Canadian families? Even though they're holding rates, rates are still pretty high for a lot of us who have variable rate mortgages. And later, what trends is one HR expert looking at for 2024 uh, when it comes to the job market? Can we expect a raise? Can we expect to get laid off? What's going on in 2024? We'll have all of those details uh, later in the show. Stay with us. I'm Ruby Ahmad Huck. This is For What It's Worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Hawk. The Bank of Canada is holding rates steady at 5% in its last rate announcement of the year. It said it was encouraged by evidence that higher rates are helping bring inflation down. Now, this comes as welcome relief, but does not take away from the fact that rates have gone up. 475 basis points in just over 18 months, leaving many paying much higher payments than they had budgeted for. To talk about the impact of higher rates and what they have had on Canadians, we are joined by Anne Arbor. She is the Director of Strategic Partnerships at Credit Counseling Society. Welcome to the program, Anne. Thanks so much, Rubina. So, you know, I talked about how Bank of Canada has held rates. I know for many who have mortgages, especially variable rate mortgages, are sighing relief because they've just seen interest rates go up and up and up. Uh, many people who haven't locked in are just hoping that this may be the top. But from your perspective, you know, higher interest rates, how are they affecting uh, Canadians' uh, day-to-day lives? Definitely, they're being affected when it comes time to renewing and the added stress of a looming renewal and everything else that's going on in the economy in terms of the inflation that these interest rate hikes are meant to to combat. So things like high grocery prices, we're seeing it at restaurants, we're seeing it at the gas pumps, all the places we, we call inflation where it hurts. And so someone may be looking at these higher interest rates and all those things that you just mentioned, uh, they're looking at maybe uh, a payment increasing in 2024, maybe early 2025, uh, because they're renewing their fixed rate mortgage, which they may, I'm sure, are very thankful for, but also worried about the fact that their payments are going to go up. What what would, advice would you have for someone who's saying, wow, my payment's going to go up by 30, 40% when I renew? Um, how, how can I manage that uh, when it happens? Yeah, absolutely. We're hearing people that are calling where their rates, their um, payments have doubled, in some cases tripled, and it can really have an effect on your monthly, on your monthly cash flow for sure. The biggest advice we can give off the top is to know your numbers and start to prepare now. So know where the pain points are going to be and where some choices will have to be made. And how can somebody even know what their numbers are? Uh, I mean, should we be just using today's interest rates to to, to calculate what uh, our payments might look like? I think that's a good place to start. Um, I think, you know, I'm not an economist, but if you read what the Bank of Canada is saying, they're looking at keeping it. I haven't heard any indication of dropping, but they haven't given an indication that they're necessarily increasing things over the next um, year or so or the next 
couple of uh, reporting cycles. So I think you can take current rates and maybe just to be conservative, add a little bit extra just to make sure um, and see how that fits in with your cash flow now. Your financial institutions, and you can go online, there are all kinds of payment calculators to be able to um, estimate what those payments are going to be. But I think the real key comes to knowing your other numbers. So that's, are you tracking what you're spending on a monthly basis or even a weekly basis? Do you track, do you know what you spend on groceries? Do you know what you spend to change out your snow tires or do an oil change? All those irregular expenses through a year, really having a handle on where your money is going day to day. It can sound really daunting, right? Write everything down for a number of months and figure out where the holes are, figure out where you're spending too much. What do you say to someone who says, that's just too much work for me. I don't want to sit down and write down every time I buy a coffee. Uh, that That's not for me. What's your reaction to someone who has that kind of attitude towards budgets? Oh, I get it. <laughs> Absolutely. I think the reality is, though, there are so many easy tools out there to help you, whether you're a pen and paper type person and writing that out, or whether, you know, you love a good spreadsheet, and many of us do. Um, but there are also all kinds of tracking apps. Most financial institutions have them now. People can just, if you're using your debit card on a regular basis, just doing a quick scan on your online banking, and you'll see where things are at. Um, it's really picking a couple of categories that you think that your spidey sense is telling you those are the places where there are holes and keeping track on those. You know your fixed costs for a month. You know your phone bill. You know your um, your internet, your mortgage, those kinds of things. It's really the the variable expenses, the once in a while things. So pick two or three categories. Get really good at knowing where those monies are going. And if it's not, those aren't where the leaks are, where you thought they were. Pick another two categories and and take a look there. Yeah. I mean, writing down always puts everything into perspective, um, you know, with anything. If you're trying to lose weight, write it all down, what you're eating. It puts into perspective that maybe I shouldn't have eaten cake Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Maybe one day was enough uh, to, to, to satisfy my sweet tooth. Uh, <laughs> and so it just it just looking back is always, always a good thing. I mentioned yeah. uh, mortgage renewals. For me, uh, you know, as a personal finance journalist, that's the one thing I'm really laser focused on going into 2024 because I think it is going to be the biggest personal finance story for the year because so many Canadians yeah. will be impacted when they when they do do their renewals what's what's your advice uh and, sorry what 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 is it that you're looking at at 2024 is that a, is that a huge concern for you and your clients going into going into the new year mortgage renewals that is I would say so for sure when you look at the percentage of mortgages that have renewed in 2023 looking you know it's a portion of it but the big bulk of renewals are 2024 and 25. That will have uh, that will be affected by these higher rates. So, um, again, I think people are bracing themselves, and I think it's always a good thing to be prepared and not to um, sit by and wait for the storm to to hit. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's definitely part of the news. And if for our listeners uh, who may be wondering, why are so many mortgages coming up for renewal in, in 2024, 2025? The reason that is, is uh, because the real estate market was so hot in 2020, 2021, and just early 2022, really when prices peaked, um, more people took out bigger mortgages in order to get into a home. This was always the, also the depths of COVID. So many people moved uh, from 
a smaller place into a bigger place thinking, well, this is how I'm going to work from now on. So I need more space. And because money was cheap, we were willing to borrow more and more. And so now all those mortgages uh, starting from those 2020 ones, because normally Canadians take five-year terms are coming up for renewal, um, you know, if not now, then into 2024 and into 2025. So a lot of people have asked me, why are so many more mortgages coming up for renewal? That is the data. That's what that is what it's that's what it's showing us. Uh, and uh, you work with uh, Canadians all the time uh, about their uh, to help them with their personal finances, with their debt. Um, is there something that something more that needs to be done, especially from maybe a government perspective? I'm not sure which level, federal, provincial, or municipal, that can help individuals who are really struggling with their day-to-day bills? Well, oh, that's that's a big question for a lot. You know, we're keeping an eye as well on credit card rollovers. So that portion of the credit cards that is not being paid off on a monthly base, uh, basis. So people who are carrying bigger and bigger balances. Um, and that comes at uh, a very high interest rate. And also, if you're looking at the banks or the credit unions, you know, any financial institution, in terms of the amount of money they're earmarking for potential loan losses in the next year or two years, um, that number is increasing. So I know that at the federal level, there is discussion with the financial institutions in terms of transparency around rates, transparency around lending practices, those kinds of things. I think um, the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada has tremendous resources for financial literacy, so to help people uh, make those tools available so they can arm themselves and educate themselves. We, of course, have um, uh, all kinds of resources available to people. I think off the top that there that's just that emphasis on understanding your finances. So whether at the provincial level that goes into the school curriculum some more, I hear over and over again, every party I go to, wow, what you do is amazing. Everybody should learn this in school. I don't disagree. Um, So I guess at the provincial level, emphasizing financial literacy education and uh, at the federal level, just greater transparency and greater support of education. We're speaking to Ann Arbor. She is the Director of Strategic Partnerships at Credit Counseling Society. And we are in the thick of holiday shopping. Many uh, Canadians are trying to get that last-minute gift for their loved ones. What's your advice for someone just feeling overwhelmed, not just by the work that comes during this time of year, but by the financial uh, burden that many of us carry because we want to make it so special for our family? I think understanding what special means and special doesn't mean being stressed out. So if you can look ahead to how you want to feel in January and February and try and channel that energy of being relaxed and understanding that special is time with family and time with friends, not necessarily the material items. So looking for new ways to do things together. Yeah, I think that's just been the the theme since the pandemic, basically, is that it's more about togetherness than about the the giving of expensive gifts. Um, and thank you so much for joining us today, uh, getting, your, uh, getting your take on what you expect from 2024 and how Canadians are managing these higher interest rates. Uh, even though we didn't see a, a rate increase this week, uh, that doesn't mean that Canadians aren't still suffering with higher payments. Absolutely. Thanks, Rubina. Thank you. 
Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. That's Ann Arbor. She's director of strategic partnerships at Credit Counseling Society. When we come back, what can we expect from our job in 2024? We have an HR expert on next to talk about what trends she's expecting in the new year. I'm Rabina Ahmed Huck, and this is for what it's worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Huck. 2024 is almost here and there are a number of workplace trends experts say employers have to prepare for. According to HR expert and founder and principal of Candido Consulting Group, Janet Candido herself, there are several areas businesses have to focus on going into the new year, including how to retain workers in this challenging labor market and how to manage requests for compensation. So what does this mean to us, the employees? To talk about this and more, we are joined now by Janet Candido. Hi, welcome to the program, Janet. Thank you. Hi, Rubina. I'm so glad that you are here because many of us are looking towards 2024. You know, cost of living is still high. Interest rates are remaining high, even though they didn't raise rates this, this week again, but still remaining high uh, going into the new year compared to just a couple of, you know, just a year and a half ago. Uh, how are employees, from your perspective, feeling about 2024 and, and, and their job security? Yeah, I think they're feeling pretty trepidatious. I mean, it depends on what cohort you belong to, because I don't think there is a one-size-fits-all answer to anything anymore. But certainly employees who have mortgages or rent to pay are concerned now. I mean, last week, CBC, or earlier this week, they announced uh, fairly significant layoffs. People are concerned about their own job security. So yeah, there's concern. But the younger ones don't seem to be as concerned, but they don't have the uh, the financial um, the financial issues to deal with. Yeah, I mean, I feel like no matter what age you are, the cost of living is impacting you. So for younger people, for example, they're worried about their ability to save money for a home. They're really worried about ability to pay off their student debts. And then we've got millennials, so more than more 30 and 40 year olds worried about just the, the making mortgage payments. And then older Canadians worried about retirement. So there's there seems to be an issue that's really plaguing each sort of working uh, cohort uh across Canada uh, what can employers do uh to to prepare for these these trends uh, that we're likely going to see in 2024 how can they prepare to deal with the the kind of questions that their employees are going to have in the new year and that's a good question uh, what they need to do is flip things around and start looking at it from the the perspective of the employee experience like what is it that the employee is looking for what is it that the employee wants and needs because if they're coming into the workforce concerned about everything that's going to impact their ability to 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 work to do a good job to do anything for that matter so being able to support them uh, making sure that they've got the opportunity to develop the skills that they need to to address the issues in the workplace, you know, particularly things like um, 
you know, being able to deal with all of the technology changes and the the importance of of being able to uh, deal with the, with uh, the more data driven decision making that is going to impact everyone. You mentioned Janet how you know there are already talks of layoffs. We've heard so many in the technical industry. Uh, you know, with Amazon, Facebook, all Meta. I guess you should say I should say um, announcing layoffs, and now we're hearing a major media corporation laying off ten percent of their workforce. Um, that can really do a lot to employee morale. Uh, what should employers be doing to keep morale up for those people who keep their jobs, but then see some of their friends walk out the door? Yeah, what they need to do, as I said, is focus on what is it that your employees need. You know, the issue of morale, focusing on the person themselves as opposed to the work uh, thinking about the individual as opposed to the collective and, and what is it that their employees need to be supported, right? There are some simple things like having more social connection so that employees feel more like a part of the organization, but also things like uh, helping them to develop their skills because that'll work for them in their current job. It'll also work if they need to find another job. You know, ensuring that the recognition is there. Salaries are really important to, to everybody, probably more important than they ever have been. But so is that feeling of belonging in the organization that you're working with. I think employers should also think about being as transparent as they can with the state of their business so that they can uh, uh, alleviate any concerns employees have about whether the company is going to survive in this climate or not. Yeah, I mean, morale is so important. Uh, whenever there's a layoff, I've been a part of that on both sides where I've been laid off and had to leave my friends. And then they tell me later how it's so depressing to see all all these friends walk out the door and then the, on the I've been on the other side of it where I've seen my own friends you know because you you make good connections at work especially when we used to work five days in in office every day and um, how yes. just how you feel about coming into the job because it's just not the same anymore uh, you, you outlined four uh, places that employers should be focusing on you've been talking about a couple of them but one of the ones that I was really interested in talking about was addressing the labor and skills shortage and how what you say quiet hiring can help what is quiet hiring Janet quiet hiring is when you're looking at your existing employees and effectively uh, expanding their job duties so you might have a vacancy coming up either um, because somebody has left or because the, the volume of work has increased and you want to try somebody into the, uh, you put them into that role on a trial basis. Uh, you may not promote them immediately, but you may put them in, expand their own job duties and see how well they do. That works if you're upfront and honest with your employees about why you're doing it. If not, they just feel used. But if you're up front and you're telling them, this is, you know, I think you have a lot of potential. I want to see how well you're doing here. It's going to be a defined period of time. And then we're going to evaluate, did you like it? Did, 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 do we think that you were 
doing a good job and then we can look at making it permanent and consider the compensation. But if you just do it without saying anything, employees uh, might turn around and feel that they're being taken advantage of. Yeah, transparency is always uh, a key when it comes to uh, office relationships. I mean, relationships in general, transparency is good. But really letting uh, those people who are affected by your decisions know why they're doing what they're doing um, always uh, bodes better for for both sides because everyone is on board, then they know exactly what the deal is and then they're not surprised. Um, one of the major things that I'm hearing, not just uh, amongst my own coworkers, my friends, my family, is nobody wants to go back to work five days a week. And more and more companies are calling their employees back, um, if not five days, at least three to four days in some cases. Um, what, What do employers need to think about when they think about this hybrid model? I mean, this is an issue four years ago, which would not have existed. It's brand new for everyone where people are resisting coming into the office. Um, what do they need to really think about if they want to have what you say, you know, a, a successful experience uh, when it comes to hybrid work? When I when I hear from employers about that and and sometimes they immediately go to what do we do if somebody won't do it? What do we do if somebody says flat out, I'm not coming into the office? or I'll come in two days, I'm not coming in three days. And I say, flip that around and tell me why should the employee want to come into the office? What are you going to provide in terms of the atmosphere and the environment in the office that makes them want to be there? I mean, we know that the benefits of being in the office center around, you know, collaboration. Uh, coaching and mentoring, which is so much easier um, in person, Uh, brainstorming, you know, even just understanding the culture of the organization. So make those in-office days, days that are taking advantage of the fact that people are around. If they're just going to come in, go to their cubicle, sit down, head down and do some work. And then at the end of the day, get up and go home. There's no point in them being there. So make those in office days, days where you have, you know, brainstorming sessions, collaborative sessions. I always encourage the leadership team, walk around and talk to people. You know, let them know they're being noticed, that you see that they're here. Have those conversations with them that you have been saying are so valuable when you're when you're in the office. Don't immediately go into it with a punitive, if you're not coming in, this is what we're going to do. Go into it with a, here's, here are the benefits. Here's why you want to be here. You know, Janet, I am in two minds about uh, this entire situation of return to work and how people are resisting it. Uh, I, I, I really feel for employers who are struggling to get people back into the office because they become so used to being at home. And I also am perplexed by why people don't want to leave their homes because we all know <laughs> yeah. the benefits of getting out of our pajamas and going into work. And I, and, and I don't say that facetiously. I, I mean, I really do mean it that even if you're not wearing pajamas, you're definitely not dressed in a suit sitting at home uh, doing your job. There's something about that that just makes us 
a little bit more engaged with the work that we're doing, just that act of going to work. So I, I feel like there is definitely a revolution that's happening in the workplace. And I, I'm really interested as to where we're going to land. Are we going to go back to the way it was or are we going to go four days a week? I I, I believe that we're going to get closer to that four days a week uh, eventually. The most most workplaces want to see your face if they're paying you to, to, to come in. Uh, Janet, uh, we just have about uh, 45 seconds left here. I wanted to ask you, you know, what, what, what uh, other major trend are you seeing that really maybe we haven't been talking about um, for 2024 for, for, for the workplace? One of the things that I've been, uh, you know, seeing a lot about is the, the issue of sustainability and, and working practices and, and the, I mean, we've been talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion for a while and seeing more emphasis being put on that, but I'm also seeing emphasis on how do we reduce the impact on our environment? What are, how are we doing either with our procurement, even just with the basics in the office uh, and all the paper we can generate and, and all the garbage we generate. So I, I am seeing quite a, a, quite an emphasis on what I, what I'm calling sustainable working practices. Janet, thank you so much for joining us today and getting us up to date on what we can expect for 2024. And uh, I, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. That's Janet Candido. She is the founder and principal of Candido Consulting Group and an HR expert. When we come back, how is the current high cost of living affecting our spending this holiday season? I have the latest snapshot into our spending after the break. I'm Rubina Ahmad Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, you're listening to For What It's Worth with Rubina Ahmed Huck. The best things in life are free. This is probably a very busy weekend at the mall. I know if you are venturing out, it's going to take you a little bit of time to find some parking, uh, maybe just a little bit longer in line to get those gifts or maybe things for yourself. Uh, and we are just a few weeks away from the big day. So this is uh, pretty, pretty typical, pretty typical time for the mall to be busy. Uh, but we are hearing from surveys and from retail sales numbers from Statistics Canada that Canadians are not spending as much as they have in years prior. Now, a lot of that has to do with the cost of living. Many of us are cutting back. We're not uh, putting as much money into our gifts or maybe scaling a little bit back on how much hosting we're doing. Uh, but this can have a major impact on retailers uh, who do depend on this time of year uh, to, to make up their profits, to make up their sales. Toys R Us, for example, is saying that people are definitely more uh, in the mood to come and grab a deal and leave. So before it would be that a store would advertise a door crasher or a big deal and they a customer would go in they would buy that door crasher if it was available and then they would buy a number of other things that they expected to buy for their family uh, because they're in the store anyways so people are changing their habits they're just going in and getting the deal and coming back often retailers call these loss leaders so they sell something at a loss just to get people through the door but because we're all watching how much we spend we're actually not getting tempted by all the extras and we're spending less on everything from travel, apparel, electronics, entertainment, toys, 
even when we eat out at a restaurant. This is a new survey that was done by KPMG of more than 1,500 Canadians. They were questioned about, you know, whether they're being more cautious about spending money uh, this year compared to years prior. And uh, most of us said that we are because everything has become so expensive and it doesn't make sense to go out there and really just blow our budgets and worry about it in January because that can really set us up for financial disaster because then there's that credit card bill that comes and everything else kicks in. We get paid a little bit less starting in January because CPP and EI uh, payments start uh, from January. Most of us have them done by June, uh, but that definitely takes some money off of your paycheck, a little bit lower than what you had it in, in December. And so all of those things culminate into people just feeling a little bit blue over January. So in order to combat that, uh, many are scaling back, not wanting to get those big credit card bills and uh, spending a little bit less. If you are out there shopping right now, definitely, you know, all the things that we have been talking about uh, and all that cautionary stuff I talked about at the beginning of the show of being careful of online scams. And if you are doing online shopping, even legitimately, make sure you check out what their return policy is because some of them can be pretty infuriating frustrating because I can never say that word. So frustrating that you have to pay to return something. So I'm just really going back to old school mall shopping uh, for the last bit of my uh, shopping that I have to do so that I can make sure that what it is is what I what it is and it's the color I want, it's the thing I want, and I can return it easily because I the store is local rather than having to package it up and return it and pay for the privilege to do that. This has been a really interesting show, you know, really like looking ahead to uh, what we can expect from uh, our job in 2024. A lot of uh, cuts being announced uh, across most industries as uh, businesses try to scale back because as they they are also dealing with a higher cost of doing business. Um, and, uh, Janet Candido, an HR expert, talked about how she's seeing four major trends going into 2024. So she says employers have to really beef up their employee engagement. Uh, so that they can get uh, better, uh, you know, success out of their employees that are coming back into the office. They have to address labor and skills shortages and really try to use the workforce they have by either paying them more, um, giving them more responsibility, giving them a promotion. So rather than hiring someone new, beef up the the labor market that you already have. I'm um, helping this. This is one thing we didn't get to, but she did send me some notes uh, earlier, helping develop soft skills for younger employees. So how to make a presentation, how to, you know, deal with conflict at work, how to ask for a raise. These are soft skills that we only learn when we're in the office. And this is why I'm a big advocate of getting back in the office. So yes, it's great to be able to work from home one day, maybe two days a week. But generally speaking, especially if you're a young person, you should be in the office and really polishing up those skills. And then also thinking about hybrid work. I mean, four or five years ago, never would we have thought about uh, letting somebody work from home, letting employees work from home one day, one day a week. And now that is an absolute reality. Nobody wants to be in the office five days a week. Most want to be there three, maximum four days. They want at least one day off where they can uh, do stuff from home. And there is definitely a benefit of, of that as well. And so what does that look like for employers uh, going forward? And so that's what she says will be the focus for 2024. And uh, it, it, most surveys show that we will not be seeing major salary increases. And that is, again, because of the higher cost of doing business. Uh, talking to Ann Arbor as well of how we can prepare 
for 2024. She's with Credit Counseling Society uh, with higher interest rates. If you are one of the millions that will be renewing their fixed rate mortgage in the new year, you really need to do the math now as to what those payments are going to look like. And if they are unaffordable, you need to start making some lifestyle changes. I am not the personal finance journalist that's going to say to you, hey, do this to get more. I'm the personal finance journalist that's always looking at how we can manage the money we have, get most value out of it without having to work more hours, without having to try to make quick money somewhere. Uh, You can try to do that, but that's not really my style. My style is really about understanding how we can manage the money better uh, that's coming in rather than trying to always make more money in order to solve our problems. Because most of us, if we don't build good habits, Even if you make more money, we don't actually put them into practice. Uh, We had a fantastic show today. I hope you got something out of it. If you ever want to get in touch with me, you can always do that through the website. So if you Google for what it's worth, Rubina, otherwise you're going to get the song, the famous song from the 70s. But do Google for what it's worth, Rubina, you will find my show link. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. You can send me a message there. I get messages all the time. Thank you for that, for the criticism and the compliments. I really appreciate both sides of it. Um, And let me know what you think. You know, going into the new year, I want this show to be for you. What do you want to hear about? What's something that you haven't heard on this program that you would really appreciate? I'll definitely be able to seek out the guests to answer the questions that you need answered. Uh, Thanks to you, the listener. We'll be back here uh, next week, same time, same place. Thanks to James Petrovic, our technical producer. I'm Rubina Ahmed-Huck. And this is for what it's worth.